I have to tell you that um, you guys are awesome, man. I have so much fun hanging out with you guys. And I think I figured out what makes you guys different. You want to know what it is? God never intended heaven and earth to be separated. Would you agree? He never intended for heaven and earth to be. But because of Adam's disobedience in the garden, it was separated. And so one of the things that God has called us to be is ambassadors. Everybody say ambassadors. And so, like, if I'm an ambassador in Russia, everywhere my foot hits the ground is actually American soil. Everywhere. Everywhere I go. And so the Bible calls us ambassadors. And ambassadors practice the culture and the presence of God wherever they go. And I really believe this group, this family, you have a culture of practicing the culture that's from heaven. And I really believe God wants to tell you guys, keep going, keep pushing. Everybody say, keep going, keep pushing. Because one of God's assignments for us is to bring heaven to earth. And I believe he's proud of you guys. You guys are doing that. You got to do that. Okay. Can, can you give you guys a hand, yourself a hand? So in college, is there anything that you would say you dread doing? So Tess, studying, <laughs> going to class. I don't want to get up this morning. What else? Practicals? Oh, I was talking to my, my friend Joe Absher, and he was telling me about those practicals, and it's just straight up wearing him out. So does practicals wear y'all out a little bit too? <laughs> so I was, you guys know I was in the military, right? And there's a couple of things that I kind of dreaded. Especially when the drill sergeant told me I had to clean the bathroom with just a toothbrush. That was bad. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It, I mean, we, I had a drill sergeant kind of threaten us, but it's a true story. Some soldiers cleaned bathrooms with just a toothbrush. It was a really sad day, right? But one of the things I really dreaded, and this is a true story, I mean, we had to wear our uniforms, and, you know, we had to keep them starched. We had to have our boots shined. And the thing is... If you showed up, everybody say show up. If you showed up to formation with your boots all muddied and wrinkled and not shaved, the wrath of God will come visit you. <laughs> I'm talking about your, your squad leader is going to be all up in your face. What's going on, soldier? Why didn't you? Why? I mean, so, I mean, I would say when I did, and I was a, had a habit of being sharp, but you know, I would feel proud of, us, proud of myself and like, man, okay, I'm looking sharp and everything. But I would have to tell you, it was a lot of work. Everybody say a lot of work. And probably on the top of my list of what I dreaded was called change of command. Everybody say change of command. This was when you had the big leader, like your command sergeant major, or your, your first sergeant or your, your um, generals, they would, one would be leaving to go to another assignment, and then you have other leaders, big, a big leader, big wig, coming in to take possession. So in these change of command <laughs> ceremonies, it'd be like for three hours. And you'd be out there in the hot sun, on the, I mean, I don't know why they didn't pick, like, October to do it, but they're like, they picked the hottest season, and we'd be out there for three hours. So I guess I think they got some of the culture from Britain, some of these traditions. The, the commander would do the passing review. He'd be marching. You know, he'd be like, you come to the commanders and salute them. And the whole idea was you want to inspect your troops for the last time. It's kind of like you, you – about to buy a house, sometimes you do an inspection first or get an apartment, do an inspection, and then when you have to leave, there's another inspection. So 
He's doing his last inspection. And then the, the new dude comes in and he does his thing and he inspects. This is his new people. So he inspects them. Three hours. But one time for one of these change of commands, LT did a bad thing. Everybody say bad thing. Because let me tell you, for these change of command ceremonies, um, if you fell out or you passed out, in some of the army culture, they would shame you. I'm, I mean, straight up, like, dude, you couldn't even stand up in formation. What's wrong with me? You weak. So anyway, it was a lot of that shaming. So what I decided to do, because I don't know, I heard some crazy stuff about salt. I stopped salt my food. I was like, yeah, I'm going to stay away from salt. And yeah. So for almost like a week, I didn't have no salt. I was kind of torturing myself, but, you know, I made it through. So, um, um, you know, we have our change of command ceremony. So I was in there at least five to ten minutes, and I started bobbling. And I didn't want to get shamed, y'all. Say, I didn't want to get shamed. And, you know, I'm like, Bob, I'm like, Lord, please help me. <laughs> please help me. One, one of the things that I shared um, that we were talking about was courage. You remember that? But still with courage, sometimes you're like, how do I have courage? I want to have courage. Let me tell you, I wanted to be able, usually it's tough, and I'm able to kind of go through it and do it, but because I didn't have salt in my system, I was buckling. So I wanted, I wanted to be able to stand there and be strong, because, but because I didn't have the right stuff in me, I wasn't able to. So for courage, a lot of times we want to have courage. Like, I want to have courage. I want to do this thing. But the thing is, if we don't have the right stuff in us, it doesn't matter how much willpower we try to have, it's not going to work. See, I learned the hard way that, I mean, anything you can overdo. Would you agree? Anything. But you need to have some salt in your body. I, I don't know what I was thinking. But you need to have salt because what salt does, it helps you to retain water. So probably what my body was saying, hey, alert, alert. We, I'm about to, we, we're about to shut down. LT's body's about to shut down. I mean, because I probably drank a lot of water, but it went straight through me. It wasn't able to absorb. And so God said, I want. <laughs> Blaze is amazing. I, I love this brother right here. Can we give him a hand? Man. So we're talking about courage, and the title is Fuel for Courage. So one of my jobs in the military was a fueler. I was a fueler. So you can say it's the uh, uh, Army or Tactical Texaco or Tactical BP or Tactical Maccabees, uh, Macadoodles, or whatever you call it. Sorry. Um, but one of our jobs when I was in the aviation unit we were, when, when we had helicopters that we refueled, our job in training and in real battle is to go as close to the line as you can, as close to the line as you can. So can you imagine like if a helicopter gets fuel, it has to go three hours back to get refueled and then it go back to the front lines like they're out of gas before they even get there. So they want us to go as close to the line as possible and what we were doing, we were putting fuel in there and we're putting missiles on there, like stuff that will just destroy, you know what I mean? Like big 50 cal rounds. They weren't trying to be nice with, with the stuff they were putting on there. Just Anyway, so we'd go straight up to the line, as, as close to the line, the enemy line as we can. And that was part of our job. But as a fueler, there's something about fuel that you had to be aware, aware of, especially in the aviation unit. In the ground units, it didn't really care. It didn't really matter. So one of the things that 
you need to be aware of is how much water was in the fuel. I don't know, it's like magical from the condensation. Water just seems to find its way into fuel. Just, I don't know. So we had things that we can drain it, we can re recirculate it with the filter and all that. But the thing is, if you didn't recirculate and filter out that water, as high as the helicopter would go, it gets colder, right? And water freezes faster than fuel. So what can happen, it will seize up the engine and, and the pilots will be able to do nothing. Nothing. And it, it would crash. And I think the same thing happens with us. We want to have courage. We want to have courage to go deeper in God's grace. We want to have courage to do what he's calling us to do. If we don't have the right stuff in us, God wants us to go higher in him. But if we don't have the right stuff in us, sometimes we seize up. You ever seized up? I want to do it. But for some reason, I can't. It's like the, the Wizard of Oz. Like, courage. You know, that line. He was trying to have courage, but he was having trouble, right? <laughs> Sorry. All right. Oh, man. So I need the biggest four dudes to come up here. I, I need the biggest four dudes to come. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Yep, Ty, that's what I was thinking. Yep. Oh, man. All right. So I'm going to stand over here. All right. Man. Dude. All right. So, so, <laughs> so what if these four dudes, oh, sorry. All right. <laughs> what if these four dudes had an issue with me? And they'd be like, you know what, LT? We're going we gonna to get you. We're going to get you. And uh, so if I brought to the fight, if I'm trying to defend myself, and if I brought to the fight, I mean, for real, like, and I'm like, Psh, what y'all got? Come towards me. Psh. If, you know, if anything, I'm like, but that ain't going to work, eh? The reason why sometimes, can we give our brothers a hand? If I'm just showing up with a water gun to a real fight, guess what? I ain't going to have too much courage. Would you? Four dudes like that? <laughs> ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't, no, ain't nobody got time. So I think sometimes spiritually we subconsciously and consciously realize that we're not equipped. And sometimes God is saying, do this, or we know we should do this. But instead of staying like the Bible says, we're like peace. Peace. You know, there's a phrase that I thought was super interesting. It says, petered out. You ever heard that? It's an old phrase. You never heard that? You have, so I ain't crazy, right? Shoot. Right. <laughs> Amen. Whew. All right. But it's a phrase called petered out. Do you know where they got that phrase from? Peter. The apostle Peter. So it's the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus is just about to be betrayed by one of his own disciples. And at one point, Jesus was like, hey, I need you to pray so you won't enter into, tem into temptation. They, they was tired, and they didn't make it through some of that prayer. Have y'all ever tried to pray? You'd be like, Shh. Oh, amen. Thank you, Lord. And I was, so they were dozing off. They weren't, you know what I mean? And so Jesus said, 
if you pray, you won't enter into temptation. Basically what Jesus said, take time to pray. There's a spiritual battle coming. And if you take time to pray, you will help get the right stuff in you. So you'll be able to stand. So, of course, they didn't do it. And the, the soldiers come and to, to get Jesus. And Peter, with physical strength, you know, chops off one of the, the soldiers' ears. And, and Jesus is like, hey, dude, this is not a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. So what God wants to do with us tonight, he wants to share with us, how do we have, how do we get fuel for courage? Everybody say fuel for courage. And it's found in Ephesians 6. In the portion of scripture. Hold on. And a lot of us know that this scripture talks about spiritual warfare, right? And there's three things that God tells us to do in order to have fuel for courage. Fuel for being able to stand and, and walk in the things that God has called for us. So let's read. You guys ready to read? All right. So Ephesians six ten it says, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So the first thing God wants us to do is be strong. Everybody say be strong. But doesn't that sound like you just contradicted what you just said, LT? Be strong. Are we going to be strong in our own strength? No. What this is saying, this is saying is, I know that Big Daddy has got everything handled, right? Be strong in the mighty potty, power potty. Man, that's, I wasn't trying to. <laughs> I need some water, Blaze. Let me see. Whew. That's terrible. <laughs> Dude. All right. Be strong in the mighty power of the Lord. So what he's saying is, you don't need to come in there in the battle thinking that you're going to bring your strength. You need to know that God the Father has it handled. When, when Paul said, when I am weak, I am. Yes, when I'm weak, I'm strong. So that means when I'm trusting in God, when I know that I am helpless without his help, and I realize that, and I settle in that, that's the recipe of being strong. Isn't that good? That's the recipe of being strong. Think about Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. Gideon. This was during the time of the judges, and it was a lot of crazy stuff going on. Everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes. It was bad. And so God was trying to get their attention and say, hey, you need to follow what I'm telling you to do. Get rid of these idols and stuff that you're doing. They wouldn't listen. So God's like, okay, I'm going to let one of your enemies take control of you. And it was the Midianites. Well, anyway, they're under the oppression of the Midianites. And Jesus showed up. Did you know Jesus appeared in the Old Testament? You think about Melchizedek, the priest Melchizedek, that didn't have a beginning nor an end. And Abraham gave tithes to Mel Melchizedek. What in the world? Think about who was talking to Abraham and Sarah. And... Jesus was like, why is Sarah laughing? Because Isaac means laughter. Why is, why is Sarah laughing over there? Because she's like, Psh, baby, um, pleasure? No, that's not going to happen here. I'm 90 years old. Ain't nobody got time for that. You know? Sorry. But 
Jesus. So Jesus, also, this is a cool one, too. This is another one. Read, read about Samson's, Samson's parents. Jesus came to visit. And how you can tell it's Jesus is sometimes they were, you know, the people, like, when somebody came and appeared from heaven, they'd be like, oh, man, you know. And some of the angels were like, no, don't worship me. But in, in this instance, they worshiped him, and he didn't do that. That's how we know it was Jesus. Because angels know they weren't supposed to get worship. But so Jesus came to meet with Gideon. And he tells him, hey, I want you to, let's, time for business now. I want you to get, a, get, get an army together. And it's crazy. He was able to get 32,000 men ready for battle. And then God was like, hey, um, all the ones that's fearful, Tell them they can go home. And 22,000 left. That's a lot of fearful dudes, ain't it? So then God is like, hey, um, the ones, tell them to get some drink. And the ones that kind of lap like a dog, tell them to go home. But the ones that, you know, kind of get on their knee and get water and like that, tell them to stay. And it was 600 that was able to stay. And this was the reason why God told him to do that is because, you know what? I want the Israel people, my people, to know that it wasn't because they were so handsome that they won this battle. It wasn't because they were so awesome and so mighty that they won this battle. I wanted to strip them to thin the lines a little bit so they'll know that the victory only came from me. And sometimes God will do certain things to let us know that, hey, buddy, it ain't about you, man. It's about my glory and it's about what I do through you. So the first thing we need to do in order to to be fuel our courage is we need to be strong. And how do we be strong? In God's strength. So the first thing is be strong. The next thing is put on. Everybody say put on. It says put on the whole armor of God. So I guess I'm going to have to do that. Verse 10. I'm having issues. Okay, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That's a key right there. The biggest battle we have is about ideas. Ideas come at us that is totally contrary to God's way of thinking or doing things. And that word schemes there means strategy. The enemy has a strategy. And he uses the world of thought, the world of ideas to try to deceive us and to deceive us and to turn our own strength against ourselves. Schemes. I don't need glasses, do I? Praise the Lord. All right. Against the schemes of the devil. Amen. For we, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of, of evil in the heavenly places. So when I, um, when Tina was in the military, I was completely out. This was B.C., before children. <laughs> I, was, I was able to, to go. She had this training in Arizona, and I was able to go and hang out with her. And there's this place called Bisbee. I think it's called Bis- Bigsby or Bisbee. Anyway, it was kind of known in our country for mining back in the day. And so we went to it and just kind of hung out. There's a restaurant or whatever. We had fun. But when I was in a restaurant, I was like, I don't feel right. 
something's off here. I, I, I don't know what it is. And Tina's like, what's wrong with you? You know, like, I'm, I don't feel something. I feel kind of icky a little bit. I don't know. And so we went and talked to one of our, my, I went and talked to one of my friends um, that I met in Korea, actually. His name is Paul Farmer. But anyway, he's like, oh, you went to Bisbee? Yeah, that place is known for heavy witch activity. Wicca. And so God reminded me, see, that's why you had that feeling. The Bible there says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, meaning we don't wrestle against each other. The battle is against human beings. The battle is against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. I believe God was warning me and said, hey, dude, you, you, it was a teaching moment. You just came into a realm that you've probably never been in. Stay alert. Stay alert. So there is a battle, and there's evil forces that coming up with schemes to deceive us. But through God, we're victorious. Do you believe that? All right, so let me, I'll just go read up here. Um, it says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. That sounds like a little bit like courage, right? Withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. So. A lot of y'all don't know this, but when I was um, in maybe part of elementary school, I'm a little embarrassed to share, but anyway, um, in high school, I thought I was cool. And in, in Florida, Miami, Florida, some, you know, if you were cool back then, you know, you kind of wore your, what's up, Ferron? Oh, sorry. Okay. Um, I didn't see you before. Anyway. Uh, Everybody say squirrel. <laughs> okay. All right. So, I, you know, I used to think I was cool, and I kind of, you know, wore my pants down, you know, just, just a little bit like that. <laughs> it was bad. So, yeah, I know, right? I've, I've long repented. I've repented from that. <laughs> Pray the Lord. But, amen. <laughs> it was God's grace. It was bad. Okay. I know you've never think that of me, but yeah, that's what that's how I was rolling back then. And um you remember on American Idol, they're like, pants on the ground. Looking like a fool with the pants on. Get them up. Get them pants up. Anyway, so I probably wore a belt sometimes, maybe I didn't, but if I did wear a belt, it was loose. You know, and it was just Anyway, it's like, what, what, what you got pants on for, man? You got the stuff all falling down. It don't make no sense. <laughs> but I was thinking about this scripture one time, and, and God was like, you know, some believers are walking around with their pants down. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> it's because they don't have, they have not tightened the belt of truth. Is loose. So this is what we need to understand, that there, there's two religions, only two religions in the world. Did you know that? One that's based on man's word and one that's based on God's word. And so what we need to do is learn to have a biblical worldview, to see things through what the Bible says. So that means in every decision, Everything that we think of and do, we need to first look at the Bible, and from that, that dictates our actions. That dictates how we think. So we need to get our belt tight. Everybody say our belt tight. So for Paul here is drawing an analogy from the Roman soldiers for the belt was really important because it held up the breastplate of righteousness um, so, you know, you have your, your, your breastplate and you kind of stick in there to hold it tight. You have your sheath, 
think that's what it's called. But the thing you put your sword in, you have that on there tied to it too. So just imagine if you didn't have your belt or it wasn't tight, if you're running or you're advancing or whatever you're doing, your, your sword can fall out, you don't have no breastplate, what, what does that make us? Exposed. And this right here is our vital organs. So we need to keep that covered. So the first thing we need to put on is truth. That means, we, like I said, we need to have a biblical worldview and view everything we All our philosophies, everything that we believe and take hold of, it needs to be through the lens of a biblical worldview. You agree with that? So we have truth, the belt of truth. Then, having put on a breastplate of righteousness. For the breastplate of righteousness, I believe there's two sides of righteousness. Everybody say two sides of righteousness. The The first one is the doing side or the obedient side. Like, for example, Joseph, Joseph, with Joseph, it said he was a righteous man. He was in a habit of doing things God's way. He was righteous. And then you have the legal side. The legal side said, I am righteous. I am justified. That means just as if I've never sinned. Because of what Jesus did, when, he, when, when God the Father looks at me, he sees me righteous. And it wasn't because of my effort, but it was because I trusted in him and he, God gave me grace. The righteousness, the legal righteousness. But sometimes we get in trouble because we try to derive our own righteousness based on what we can do. Right? Have you ever been there or is it just me? And on the legal side of righteousness, um, I believe self-worth comes into play. Self-worth. Where do I derive my worth from? What makes me feel like I'm doing okay? So the devil's definition of self-worth is performance plus the opinions of others. Performance plus the opinions of others. And if anything has taken my lunch in my life, it's because I was deriving my self-worth from those two things. Can you imagine, you know, going to school as a little boy and you got your, your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And you got your bologna sandwich. You're like, man, I am so, I got a Capri Sun and some barbecue chips. And I'm like, I'm so excited. I can't wait to lunch. Is it 12 yet? Is it 12 yet? And then, come lunchtime, a bully comes and takes all your stuff. And you're just so sad. Just so, it's like, man, I was, oh, man, it was bad. But the thing is, if we derive our self-worth from the opinions of others and our performance, how well we can do things, it's going to take our lunch. And it's going to bully us. So with the breath, the breastplate of righteousness, we want to derive our worth from what Christ did. So this is God's definition of self-worth. It's Jesus's perfect performance plus God's unconditional love. Jesus, he, Jesus did everything perfect. Plus God the Father. I mean, it's nothing that we can do that's going to cause him to love us more or less. We have unconditional love. So you have the breastplate of righteousness. Then you have the shoes um, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So I, I ran track. And I ran a four by one. I was the first leg. And 90% of the time, I handed off the baton first. So we start in a staggered position. And... By the time you hand off the baton, if you're side to side with them, that means you beat them. And I beat a lot of them. That's pretty good. I couldn't catch, but I can run, right? Um, but one piece of equipment that we needed in track was our shoes. 
Can you imagine trying to sprint and keep up with all those folks with no track shoes on? That gives you traction, it's not light. But anyway, I cannot imagine trying to, to grind and really get after it without shoes. And what God is trying to tell us here is that peace kind of serves as a foundation. It, it gets, gives us our, our footing. Like the Bible says that peace is an empire. It, it, it serves as an empire. So in a football game, you got dudes that are bigger than the referees, faster than the referees, um, stronger than the referees. But who has more power? You, you, you do something wrong, you can get kicked out the season, you can, all that stuff. But the peace of God dwells in our hearts, and it serves as an empire. And it says, hey, don't do that. Hey, don't do that. And another thing about peace is God wants us to be peacemakers. So whenever we go into situation, he wants us to be giving peace to other people. You believe that? The, the Holy Spirit, one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is a dove. And one thing about a dove, they're very peaceful. And here's another lesson. Without peace, there's no power in the Holy Spirit. Without peace, there's no power. So peace, huge foundation. Let's go to the next one. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. I believe the shield of faith is worship. King Jeho Jehoshaphat, there is this enemy that came against them. I think it's very interesting. It says, in all circumstances. But King Jehos Jehoshaphat, as this army came against him, and like anybody, he had a reason to be afraid. But he took it to God and he prayed, and God was like, hey, don't worry, I got you. I got you. I'm Big Daddy, right? I got this. He said, so what I want you to do is bring the put the praises in the front. That's kind of like in a football team, you know, you're trying to run the ball and stuff, like logic. You're trying to run the ball, and you give the ball to one of the cheerleaders, and, you know, without any pads. Hey, sister, we need you to try to run that touchdown. <laughs> God said, I want you to put the praisers in front. And they begin to say, the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. The Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. And he put ambushes on the enemy. And it shielded that possible attack. We got darts thrown at us all the time. But what do we need to do? We need to worship. And part of worship is faith. That's mean acting on the things that God has called us to do. So what else we got? Take the helmet of salvation. You know what I believe the helmet of salvation is? Joy. David said, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Let's go to Matthew 5. So we're going to go to the Beatitudes. How much, am I doing okay, Pastor Tom? A am I running? Uh, cool. All right. Sorry. All right. So the Beatitudes. So y'all know what the Beatitudes are? Am I losing y'all? We good? All right. All right. So the Beatitudes are the beautiful attitudes we need to be in. The Beatitudes are the attitudes of the kingdom. Beatitudes are the beautiful attitudes of Jesus. So I want, I want you guys to do some homework. Say homework. Did you just ask me to do homework, LT? I mean, so go go to Genesis 1, maybe starting in verse 26, and read what it's talking about. Because if you want to know where we're going, you need to see where we came from. We were rulers. We were kings. We had dominion, not over other people. But the stuff on the earth, all the animals, we had dominion. 
So what this, and we're not going to read it all, what blessed or happy, blessed are the poor in spirit, that's an attitude, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Did you see that? Based on our, based on our attitude, we can pull down the culture of heaven so we can have heaven on earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, we already inherited the earth in the beginning, didn't we? God gave us the earth. But God, what he's saying right here, with your attitude, you can pull down the culture of heaven. And I believe the helmet of, of salvation is the helmet of salvation that prevents us from getting in stinking thinking in certain situations because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And sometimes things try to attack our, our mind and, and just get us all crazy. But if we can focus on joy, it helps us. It helps to protect us. All right, so let's go back to, um, yeah, Ephesians. And the sword of the spirit so what that right there is talking about is rhema word everybody say rhema word so we have the logos that's just the written word and the rhema word is a word that you already have have in you and the holy spirit illuminates it so you can speak it out or apply it in your situations so God right there is talking about the sword. The, I can't even say that word. Sword. <sighs> yeah. Sword of the spirit. But how do we, how do we get to rhema word? Um, just really quick. I know I'm probably running out of time. Go to, if we can go to Psalms 1. Blessed or happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. So, you know, we're made up of, we're a triune being, that we have a spirit, soul, and body, right? I believe... The roots there represents our spirit. Holy Spirit speaks to our spirit. Our spirit speaks to our soul, mind, will, and emotions. So the, the roots there represents the spirit, our spirit. And it, it's telling us we can get as deep as we want to. We can get as deep as we want to. And I believe, like, if you're looking at a tree, maybe the, the trunk is the mind, will, and emotions, what I'm, what I'm trying to say here is, okay, you ever struggle on what it means by the heart? It says, above all, guard your heart. I believe that the heart represents the conscious mind and the subconscious. Conscious mind and the subconscious. And so what this is saying is, when you meditate, when you digest God's word, a word picture there is like a cow that's chewing the cud, and then it throws it up, and then it chews it again. So the process there is digesting. We are not what we eat. Did you know that? We are what we absorb. Based on the villi that's in our small intestines, whatever our, our, our villi extracts from what we eat, that's who we are. And what God is saying there is, I want you to chew on my word. I want you to meditate. I want you to memorize it. So when the battle comes, you can be like Jesus and speak to it. You can speak to it. It is written. And I believe um, sometimes we can maybe when we're new as Christians, maybe we start with a butter knife as a sword of spirit, right? But we continue to practice it and meditate. It's going to be like a sword that's going to do damage. So we got three things we have 
Be strong. We have, what else? Put on. And the next one is plug in. Stay plugged, sorry. Stay plugged. So if I have, if I just bought a new refrigerator and, you know, if it wasn't producing any, like, coldness, what's the first thing I need to check? If it's plugged in. And the way we plug in, we can go to scripture real, real quick. The way we plug in is through prayer. In the sword of spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints and all, and also for me, that words may be given to me in, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel. This is what, this is part of what this is saying. Prayer gives us confidence. Paul is saying, pray for me. He's telling us to pray. He said, you know what, I need your prayers too because it gives us confidence. It gives us courage. And there's the last couple of things on prayer. Any of y'all know Joshua Frost? He is stellar dude, isn't he? He gave a sermon um, at C2 a while back, and he was talking about prayer. One of, I mean, he is a praying man, and I got challenged and encouraged, encouraged by Joshua. But one of the things he said I thought was super helpful about prayer is that, you know, like when you're, like, interested in someone, you know, like when I was beginning to be interested in Christina and, you know, that aw- the awkwardness. <laughs> like, you know, when, like, when, when you're making your, you know what I'm talking about, Blaze, you know. <laughs> Especially when you, like, marrying up, like the potential of marrying up. It's like, wow, I don't even know how to relate here. It's like, whew, it's tough. You know what I mean? Whew, man. So, so it's like when you, you it clicks in your head, you know, I'm going to be serious. Isn't it awkward sometimes? Isn't it awkward sometimes? Or is it just me? Is it just us, Blaze? I think it is. <laughs> oh, man. But I think the devil tricks us into stop praying because when, we, when we're starting to try to pray and stuff, when it feels awkward, we feel like, oh, man, I ain't doing it right. I'm not doing it right. And the devil's like, see, that stuff don't work. See, we need to look at prayer kind of like as a garden. You sow seeds, you water you cultivate, you pull out weeds, but eventually you start seeing fruit. When you first start praying, you may not see everything. But if you keep going, if you look at it as a garden, I tell you what, and keep going, you're going to start seeing fruit. And even though you don't see or notice something right away, guess what? Something's happening. You put that seed in the ground, it's like, man, nothing, nothing happening. You water it, man, I'm just going to give up. No, God's saying be patient. Be patient. So I believe this whole process, I, I remember it was told me, hey, did you kind of pray and put your armor of God on? You know, like, hey, you know, put your helmet on. You can visualize, you know, put your helmet on, you know, and then put your sword. But I, I believe there's truth to that. But I believe the process of putting our armor on is the is the habitual routine that we have to read and to pray and over time our armor gets strong over time but we have to put the work in sometimes we might be tired like Peter and the disciples and like man I'm too tired I don't know if I'm going to pray tonight but every time you do you're going to sow does that make sense I had one more thing, I think. Man, I forgot my last thought. So the whole idea, I believe, of what was God has been sharing with us, part of what we talked about is going deeper in grace, right? And when we learn to be strong, put on and plug in, stay plugged into prayer, it's going to help give us courage. The kind of courage 
that even if your earthly father, like Isaac, tells you to get on the, the sacrifice so I can sacrifice you, that you will have enough trust and trusting his character that everything is going to be all right. And what happens is sometimes God asks us to do things that seem like we're killing ourselves. But here's the thing. God does not want to kill us. He wants to kill the things that's trying to kill us. He wants to kind of prune us, like John 15 says. He wants us to make richer fruit. God, we thank you so much. We thank you that you are a good God. You don't leave us alone. You give us the equipment to have courage in this life. God, you love us. God, you root for us. And God, we're so thankful for your grace. Thank you for giving, every, giving to us everything we need. In your word, it says that you've given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. You've already equipped us. But, Lord, we just pray in Jesus' name that you will continue to help us to explore, search out, and learn how to use everything that you've given us. And we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.